2007, Rebuilding Hope Ministries was founded by Jim Boyd. After spending a season learning from other organizations, the Boyd family settled into Dalton, Georgia. At first, the ministry only had a tool truck, affectionately named Big Blue. But God continued to expand the capacity of Rebuilding Hope by providing warehouse space, mission team housing through a local church, and the tools necessary for the work. Most importantly, God sent people to be the hands and feet of Christ. Today, we continue to meet needs in our community by repairing homes, building wheelchair ramps, and cleaning up after storms. We also provide disaster relief services when storms strike the Southeast. We typically try to find places that are overlooked by other larger organizations. We can kind of get into some of these smaller places and really make an impact on a small town that would maybe otherwise be overlooked. It gave us hope, uh, it gave us encouragement, and I hope it also gave many people something to think about, um, that there are people that really do care, and they care because Jesus puts that care inside their hearts to do these kind of things. As we look ahead to the future, we ask that you pray for Rebuilding Hope and also consider how you might be a part of supporting this ministry by giving of your time or through financial contributions. This is me finally able to put my faith in action. Together, we can make a lasting impact on our neighbors in Jesus' name. Well, good morning. Um, I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to, to come and, and speak with y'all today, and um, especially on Father's Day, and because um, I look back at the impact that my dad has had on my life, you know, I, I'm just so grateful for a, for a good dad. He uh, passed on to be with the Lord 15, almost 16 years ago, and, um, but there's hardly a day that goes by that I don't think of some of the words of wisdom that he's given me. Um, you know, like, when I'm working on, on pounding something and it's not going, he says, don't force it, get a bigger hammer, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, those mornings that you have to get up really early to do something and, you know, he would talk about, hey, you got to get up before breakfast. And um, it, uh, so there, there's just so many things that he, uh, he taught me over the years and, and I'm grateful for that. Um, he, uh, my dad was an engineer his dad was an engineer, and, and so I decided to follow in our footsteps, too, and, and become an engineer. Um, they were both civil engineers. As a matter of fact, my grandfather, um, his civil engineering books were so old that um, my dad said he, he looked back at them, and, you know, when you were talking about being a civil engineer back in the early 1900s, you know, you're paving roads and that kind of thing, and his engineering books talked about how much hay you had to bring to feed the mules to pave this much road. <laughs> um, it's, engineering has changed a lot since then. Um, I, uh, I decided to break tradition. I wanted to be an electrical engineer and, uh, you know, just went down that path, ended up working at nuclear power plants and um, doing nuclear control systems and that kind of thing. But there was just something in my heart that said, you know, I just felt God saying, I, I want you to do more. I want you to... to uh, you know, follow me, make this eternal impact in people's lives. And so we uh, were living in Maryland and ended up moving to work with another ministry there in North Carolina um, and then ended up uh, coming to Dalton and, and starting Rebuilding Hope. And uh, it's, it's been kind of a crazy ride. It's been uh, 
14 years ago now that we first got to Dalton and, and started this. And, you know, I remember talking to some people early on and they're like, well, you can't do that. That's not going to work. That's, uh, you know, you can't just go like give, you know, do work for free for people. That's, that doesn't work, you know. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad to say here we are 14 years later and it has worked. And, um, and all the glory goes to God because for that. Um, but I wanted to give uh, kind of a background of well, the kind of the basis of why we do what we do. Um, and, and I'll explain more of what we do. But I want to start out with the why we do it. And it, it starts out first um, that uh, I think a lot of this, a lot of the why comes from Isaiah chapter 58. And, um, and I was, I've been reading and studying this last few weeks. And, and it really started hitting me as we read what we're supposed to do. And, and then you read kind of what God's response is to that. And, and man, it just really fits well. Um, with what we do. So I'm going to read this to you. I know you can read, but I'm going to read it anyway. Um, so, and the context here is that, you know, the people there were, were kind of complaining to God, you know, God, you're not hearing us. We're doing all these religious things, but you're not hearing us. What are, you know, what's going on? And this is, this is what God responds. He says, isn't this the fast I choose to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see them, and not ignore your own flesh and blood? Get rid of the yoke among you and the finger pointing and malicious speaking, and offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one. And so there's, there's a lot of good things there that he tells us to do, but I want to go look at the, uh, what he does next, and, and he says this is how he's going to respond if we do these things. And this is where it really started to hit me how it, how it really fits well into what we do. He says, then your light will appear like the dawn and your recovery, your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. At that time when you call, the Lord will answer when you cry out. He will say, here I am. Then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. You'll be like a watered garden and like a spring whose waters never run dry. And, you know, I started breaking that down kind of, you know, phrase by phrase on how God's going to respond. And I, I start to see some themes coming through. You know, it says your light will appear like, like the dawn. Okay, so we have light. Your recovery will come quickly. And, and that's kind of talking about health. The Lord's glory will be a rear guard, and there's protection from God. The Lord will be near. He says, here I am. So that's God's presence. Um, again, your light will shine in the darkness. Another reference to light. And night will be like noonday, more light. The Lord will always lead you. There's guidance from God. <clears throat> he will satisfy you in a parched land. He'll bring provision. Um, he doesn't say that he'll take you out of the parched land, that, that you know, we go through parchedness. But he will provide during that time. He will strengthen your bones. Again, it's another reference to health. And then you'll be a watered garden and a never-ending spring. A couple of references there to water. I started thinking about what are the most requests for help that we get from people? Well, we get requests for, for light, that their electricity is not working. Um, we get requests for water because their water's out. Um, 
we, uh, we get health requests. We get a lot of referrals from um, healthcare workers and social workers that people need wheelchair ramps or they've got mold growing in their house and, and they need, you know, it, it's causing health problems with them. Um, protection. Um, you know, our house is, you know, every man's house is his castle, right? It, it provides our protection. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's amazing how many people have roofs that are leaking and floors that some of them aren't even there. Like, literally, we go into some houses that there is no floor. I mean, I'm not talking about there's no carpet. There's, like, no floor. Um, and they've talked about, yeah, I've been bit by a snake in my house because he came up through the floor. I've had possums up in the house. And, you know, so there's protection that your house gives. Um, <clears throat> the presence, um, you know, we obviously are not God's presence, but we're a good representation of it. And that um, our mission teams that come and help us, you know, the, they provide God's presence. They um, offer encouragement to people and they, they give um, their time and talents and it really is an encouragement to people. Um, and, and it's amazing how many people we talk to as we leave, as a matter of fact, just this last Friday, we were finishing up a wheelchair ramp that a group had worked on this week, and the lady's like, oh, I'm going to miss you guys so much when you're gone, because <clears throat> I don't know who I'm going to talk to now. And um, so just, and how many times we hear from people, you, uh, you know, boy, when you guys are here, there's just such a peace when you work together, um, and, uh, and provision. You know, people need, need help, you know, I mean, Financial difficulties are rampant right now, and um, when we go and, and build a ramp for somebody, and you know, we try to, um, we're, we're going to do the labor for free, but we try to get the homeowners to pay for the materials. And when you tell them that, you know, especially with lumber prices right now, that that ramp's going to cost fifteen hundred dollars, you know, it's like, whoa, we can't do that. Um, so we we try to set up a little payment plan for them, and you know, if you can pay us back twenty dollars a month. You know, we're going to do that. So we've tried to provide that financial help. And then guidance. You know, don't we, we all need God's guidance. And we, we try to help people with that. And, um, you know, we, we pray for God's guidance. We, we try to offer his guidance to those that we're helping. Um, so we, uh, and, and then chapter 12 there, or I mean verse 12 of chapter 58 goes on to say, some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You'll restore the foundations laid long ago. You'll be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. And boy, I think that fits us so well because that's exactly what we do. We go into some of these houses that the foundations literally are gone. Um, we can't find them. Um, and so we're, and they're old houses. So I mean, while they might not be ancient in terms of <laughs> the, the world, but they're ancient in terms of Dalton. And uh, so we, uh, we try to go in there and, and fix those foundations, rebuild those houses. Um, so um, how do we do this? So, you know, our, our goal is to, you know, fix houses, to repair streets where people live. And um, so we do this kind of in two different ways. Um, one is through disaster relief work and with... Uh, with our disaster relief, we, you know, respond to natural disasters and give, uh, you know, offer the hope and encouragement. You know, we have a lot of tornadoes in this area, a lot of hurricanes come through. As a matter of fact, I guess we're, we've got kind of the remnants of a little tropical storm blowing through yesterday and today. 
um, floods and fires, you know, we, we kind of go respond to whatever needs there are. Um, we, we can, you know, we work with local churches wherever we go. And when we do this, we, we travel probably in about a 500-mile radius of Dalton. So we've been all over the place. And I'll show you um, some of the places we've been here in, in just a second. Um, and, you know, primarily our focus is on getting to the, the uninsured, the, the people that can't afford to pay somebody to come in and, and clean up for them. Um, and, uh, you know, we're a small groups, so we're able to, to respond quickly and go to the smaller areas that, you know, the big groups can't go to. Um, so these are some of the areas that we've responded to. We started back in 2008 going to Louisiana and actually had a team from Fellowship that came down and, and worked with us there, um, rebuilding a flooded house. Um, and then, you know, we've been Chattanooga, Haiti, um, Tennessee, West Virginia, Louisiana, Georgia, um, been, been all over lots of places, even more Mississippi, South Carolina, West Virginia, Georgia, Tennessee, Georgia, Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, lots of Lots of places. Oh, and there's even more. Um, Georgia, Ohio, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Georgia. Um, you can see we get, there's a lot of disasters. And, you know, we're averaging, you know, two to three a year probably that we'll go and, and respond and just try to, to help people out, to, to love them where they are. Um, so, like, like I mentioned, we, we are looking for the areas that are overlooked by the big organizations. You know, we're not Samaritan's Purse. We're not the Southern Baptist or the Red Cross, that we go in there and, you know, take over a whole city and, and rebuild it. But, um, you know, we'll go to these little towns in Georgia, Keysville, Georgia. You ever heard of Keysville, Georgia? Nobody has. It's a little town, I think about 320 people. Um, but we went there after a nice storm several years ago and just kind of went street to street to street and, um, and just loved on the people there. Um, this past fall, we were down in Perdido Beach, Alabama, and it's kind of misnamed because there really is no beach, but um, I guess maybe that they're trying to draw people in. Um, and uh, but it's it's a it's a nice little community. It's about one mile by two miles, so it's a little two square mile area. Um, the, one of the ladies that was on the video, she she spoke from there, and um, you know, and again, we just showed up. Um, there was a guy from Chatsworth that had he used to live in Chatsworth, had moved down there, and. He had some friends still up here that had heard of us and connected us, and so we ended up down there. Um, and uh, and it was a great little town. They put us up in their community center, and you know, I mean, the town was made up of the community center and the fire department. And there there were no stores, there were no restaurants, there were there was nothing. Um, but uh, they just welcomed us in, and we were able to again just go street to street and house to house, and just you know, love on people and, and encourage them. Um, you know, we usually try to find places that are within six hours. Just um, logistically, it's a whole lot easier. You know, if, if we can get there in a day's drive and we're hauling equipment and, um, and then also trying to, to pull in volunteers from this area to meet us there, that logistically it's a whole lot easier if we can do it fairly, you know, close by. Um, like, like I mentioned before, we're small and, and can respond quickly to places when, um, 
you know, when a storm hits, we can be there, you know, in 12 hours if we need to be. So we don't have a lot of hoops to jump through. We just make a couple phone calls. Hey, let's go. And we go. Um, we try to be self-sufficient. We try to take our own, um, our own food, our own water, and, you know, not put any strain on the local infrastructure that's there. When we got down to Perdido Beach in uh, this past fall, you know, they didn't have any electricity on the, in the area, so, and everybody was on wells, so no electricity means no water. So we had a generator, so we were able to hook up and, and give us ourselves some lights and, our, and some water and um, just kind of get started, you know. Air conditioning would have been nice, but, <clears throat> you know, we, we survived. Um, um, we... Uh, you know, like I said, a small team, but we've got some good equipment. I think you saw a picture of the skid steer there, and, and we've got a, a bucket lift that we can go up and, and cut some high trees. I'll show you a couple pictures of that. But, uh, but more than anything, you know, it's about, it's about the people and getting together with the people. Um, you know, here on, on Father's Day, it, it kind of reminds me, um, you know, several years ago, we were rebuilding houses over um, in North Alabama, um, in Trenton, Georgia, and, and Sand Mountain. And they'd had the tornado that came through Ringgold, and it destroyed houses there. And we were rebuilding some. And while we were there working on a house that had been destroyed, another tornado was coming through the area. Um, and you could hear it. Um, it, it was that close. And, and I was there working with the homeowner. And I mean, he's kind of freaking out, understandably. He'd already been through one tornado. And now with the second tornado knocking on his door... Um, He's, he's concerned. And it was, um, it was a Friday night, and I was, I was staying over there during the week and coming home on the weekends. So because the storm was coming and bad, I said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and cut out and, and head back to Dalton. And on my ride back home, I'm sitting there thinking, um, God, what are you doing? You know, this is kind of crazy that, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm building little towers with a kid and they're knocking them down, and I'm building a tower, and they're knocking them down. And God said, that's right. Um, if I want to knock down the tower, I will. And, and it, it made me think, it's like, well, when I, when I spend that time with my son or my daughters, you know, building those block towers, and they're knocking them down, and they just think it's the greatest fun in the world, um, why am I doing that? Am I, am I really doing that to build a tower? No, I'm doing that to spend time with my kids. And, and that's why we're doing the disaster relief. We're not doing it to build a house. We're not doing it to cut trees. We're doing it so we can build those relationships with people, so we can put those blocks together and build a tower. And uh, all of a sudden, it made a lot more sense. And uh, I mean, thankfully, that guy's house was not redestroyed. But, um, but if it had been, it, it would have made a lot more sense that, okay, God, you just want to build that relationship. And... and uh, and even though people are going through hard, hard things, it gives us an opportunity to get in there and just encourage them and, and pray with them. Um, and uh, we, we love to be able to, whatever area we go into, to find a local church that we can partner with. Sometimes we'll stay there, um, but somebody that we can kind of turn over our, our contacts and, you know, kind of what we've done and even have the church come and volunteer alongside of us to, to help them out. And so that they can do some follow-up, you know, long after we're gone. Um, 
and we're always looking for more people to come help us. So this is a great opportunity for you guys to, to let me know and say, hey, I would love to go do disaster relief work with you. And um, it might, you know, be a two or three day trip. It might be a week, you know, whatever your schedule would allow, we would, we would love to have you. Um, but here's, uh, here's one picture that, you know, the, the rumor has it that there's a house underneath that tree. Um, and, uh, but we eventually found it. And uh, it, that was a, for a single mom, you know, had no other means of, of getting a tree off. Um, so we were just able to go in there and, and cut the tree and save the house and help her life get back to normal. Um, here's, a, here's a picture of our lift. So I don't know if you can see the, um, you know, we've got trees laying over top of a shed and then all the power lines that are running kind of across over underneath the lift. And, you know, so we, we have the equipment so we can get in there and kind of safely do what other groups look at that and say, no, we, we can't do that. Um, but God blessed us with this. And, and so we are able to use it then to, to kind of go do some, some challenging things. Um, here's another one. This was in uh, Panama City, Florida, um, after the big hurricane Michael, um, I think it was in 2018. Um, there were, this house was, the front yard was just a complete jungle. I mean, everything toppled over and on top. And we spent three full days there um, running skid steer around, running chainsaws, trying to clear the stuff out. And um, we, we eventually cleaned it up. But I found out later that the, the homeowner told uh, a friend of mine, he said, you know, we would have lost our house if they had not come to do that work. He said, our neighbors paid $35,000 to get their yard cleaned up. And it was just like ours. And um, he says, we, we wouldn't have had that money. So either those trees would have still been there or if we'd have had to pay it, we, we would have lost the house. We couldn't have taken care of it. And um, it's, so not only can you meet some spiritual needs, but you can meet some real physical needs as well. Um, and, uh, again, you know, seeking to, to break those yokes, um, in Isaiah 58, um, <clears throat> and, uh, so, all right, let's shift gears a little bit, talk about our community development. So after, um, or in between times, when, when I first started out, I thought, hey, I'm going to just focus on disaster relief. And in between times of disasters, maybe we'll come and do a little bit of, you know, work in the local community. Um, but that has really turned upside down and ended up that our community development projects, our, our local projects here, take up probably 80% of our time. Um, and so that's where we spend the large majority of our time. There are so many needs, um, you know, right here in Dalton, Chatsworth, you know, Whitfield, Murray counties that um, we, we really um, almost don't have time to go do the disaster sometimes because we're just so tied up doing, doing local projects here. Um, you know, there's so much poverty in the area. Um, like, but I bet most of us never see it. Um, you know, there are. There's houses that we go into that they have no power. Um, you know, I know we do. There's one I did not long ago that they had no power for 13 months. Their little power pole outside their trailer had fallen over and they didn't know how to get it replaced. So um, I went to see them in January and they were all huddled up in a, 
you know, in a one room that was kind of blanketed off from the rest of the house with a kerosene heater. Um, and, uh, but you had no way of knowing that. Um, and and we, we, I think we get so used to running in our same paths. We go from, from home to work to church to Kroger and, you know, and we, we never get off our, our little beaten paths to see, um, see the other needs that are out there. It's true for me. Even, you know, I think, oh, I, I pretty much know where the areas of poverty are. Well, just this past week, I ended up on a whole new little um, trailer park that I never even knew was there. And it, it took me to, you know, to see even greater depths of poverty than I'd seen other places. Um, we had a mission team out there last week, and I thought, or they, you know, they said, man, I, I thought we were in a third world country all of a sudden. Um, I mean, it was, and um, it's just, it's heartbreaking to see some of the places that, you know, that people call home. Um, and, uh, and like I mentioned, we, you know, we see the places without water, without power, without floors. Um, and, you know, and some people are very, you know, they just want the, the most basic of help. You know, there was one lady a couple years ago that she said, my roof's leaking. If you can just put a tarp on it, that's all I need. And I, I went and put a tarp on it. And you'd have thought I'd just build her a brand new mansion. Um, she was just so grateful and, and thankful. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so sometimes just the smallest things can make such a huge difference in people's lives. Um, but I think we have helped over 500 families around North Georgia. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of a whirlwind to look back at some of them. And, um, but, you know, God has been faithful. And he's, he's brought people in from out of town. He's brought, um, you know, local people. And, and all those resources coming together have really allowed us to, to spread the gospel to people. Um, we worked on one this past week, um, putting a roof on a guy's house. And, you know, when we were finishing up, he said, he said, man, you guys really work well together. You must have been working for a long time together. And I was like, no, I met these guys on Saturday, <laughs> you know. Um, this is Tuesday, and I met them Saturday. Um, and he's uh, like, wow, that's weird. And I, and I told him, I said, I, you know, I think it's probably just the brotherhood of being Christians that brings us together, that makes us able to work well with one another. And, uh, he, and, and he agreed. I mean, he, he affirmed that he was also a believer. Um, but when we were leaving... And we asked him, we said, how can we pray for you? And he said, pray that my kids will come to know Christ. Um, and, uh, you know, and it was a, a genuine, you know, heartfelt, you know, he says, my kids are not where they should be. And, and I think we'd kind of seen some of them come and go during the day. And we were kind of thinking, wow, this guy's, you know, some of these kids look a little rough, you know. Um, and, you know, and, and he said, you know, he says, I know they're not where they should be. And uh, he says, just Pray for them to come to Christ. Um, but here's just a couple of pictures of, you know, some of the work that we've done. This was a house fire over in Chatsworth, a uh, single mom with five kids. And, you know, she, um, she had just, it was her grandmother's house. She had just moved into it. And her aunt, who had been taking care of the finances of the house, had let the homeowner's insurance lapse two months before. And so she had no insurance. Um, so we went in there and, and re, rebuilt it. Um, just uh, put a new roof on, redid the whole inside of the house and uh, the outside too. Um, and, uh, 
you know, and I, I ran into her probably about six months ago at a store, and, you know, she just was still just incredibly thankful. This is probably three years ago that we worked on it, you know, and she saw me and was like, hey, Jim, you know, we're, you know, we're doing great. We're living in the house. And, you know, so it was so good to see her. And, and uh, but this, uh, this is another um, trailer in Murray County. They just had a tree, just cut it in half. Um, and most people would look at that and say, you can't save that. You know, you, you just have to tear it down and get rid of it. Um, but, uh, you know, it kind of broke some floor joists and um, made a mess of the roof. But we, uh, and I think another way that we um, can embody the gospel is that we take things that people are say are worthless and no good and beyond hope and we can restore them to a better condition than what they were. And that's exactly what Christ does with us, that he takes a life that's kind of broken down and not where it should be, and he turns that into a beautiful, newly, new life that's, you know, created in him. And uh, this, uh, here's another, this is a house that we rebuilt in 2017, um, an older couple that had a house fire and no insurance, so again, what did they do? So we were able to go in there and tear down the old burned out structure and just build a whole new one. And uh, um, this is one that we did last summer. And I you even had a group from Fellowship that came and helped work on that. They might have been there that day. I'm not sure. Um, but we got in there and, and tore down. This had a tree fall across the front of the house and just tore off the whole front of the house. And the, it was actually the county building inspectors that called us and said, Jim, we don't know what to do. We're, we've condemned the house, but maybe y'all can go in there and, and fix that up. So, um, so that's what we did. We, we tore it down and um, just take out the rotten and the bad and uh, get into it and start finding termites that already kind of beaten the tree to the house and um, that there was a lot of pre-existing damage, but we were able to fix that too and, and get it, you know, put back to, to looking like a, a good place again. The man that lived there, he was 70 five years old, give or take, and he was literally born in that house, and so he really did not want to see the house get torn down, and um, so we did everything we could to, to rebuild that. Um, let's go back a little bit to our, to our passage here in Isaiah, and it, it talks about the yokes that are on people, and, um, and the yokes come in a lot of different forms. You know, they can be... Uh, you know, a lot of addictions, you know, we see that a lot. Um, and addictions, there's a lot of, a lot of those. Um, you know, poor health, that's another addiction, uh, not addiction, it's a, um, another yoke. And, um, but, and it's amazing, you know, I always used to think, especially when I was younger, that, oh, people just get old because they quit working and they quit doing things. But now as I get older and I see other people that I know that haven't quit doing, they just, you know, things just quit working like they used to. Um, that, you know, all of us are unfortunately going to get into poor health, I think. Um, and there's just, you know, and, and some people obviously succumb sooner than others, but, um, you know, there's, there's financial yokes. Um, and they can be um, because we have too much money or because we don't have enough money. 
Um, you know, sometimes people are so much interested in pursuing, you know, the next deal or the next paycheck that you forget to, uh, to serve others, and that becomes a yoke in and of itself. Um, you know, we don't usually see a whole lot of those people. We see a lot of the ones that are, they have no money. Um, this one lady we helped last week, you know, she makes, I think she draws about $1,000 a month on Social Security, and she pays $300 a month for her lot rent. She owns her trailer, but the, the rent, you know, she has to rent the lot. Um, and then uh, she, you know, and then she has her electric bill, um, which, you know, a lot of times on trailers, you know, they're not insulated well. They've got single-pane windows and um, I talked to a lot of people who's in the wintertime, their heating bill is four or $500 a month. Um, you know, you can heat a much larger house for less money just because it's so much better built. Um, let's see, bad choices. I mean, they, they do. They, you know, a lot of these things are intertwined. You know, the, you know, you make bad choices, you end up in poor health and you end up with bad, uh, in financial places, um, Sometimes it's, you know, a lack of education. People just don't know any better. And so they, um, and, you know, not even formal education, but they've just seen it generation to generation how, um, well, this is the way the parents did it and the grandparents did it. And, you know, you need to be able to, to throw off those yokes that, that kind of bind people, you know, to bad choices. Um, you know, anxiety, it can be uh, just... Um, debilitating, that you can't get past, you know, you're just so tied up inside that, you know, you, it's a yoke, and you can't, you can't just throw that off. Um, and so, again, you know, we look at the things that God provides um, when we, you know, kind of a repeat of before that um, God gives us all these things to help, you know, we, we get these people out of these yokes and, and the, give them the things that they need, the light, the water, um, you know, health and protection. Um, all those things are, are ways that we can help them get, get out of those yokes. Um, and, you know, and kind of looking back at the poverty thing again, that the, the little things become big things when you don't have enough money. You know, that I remember talking to one guy who said, yeah, he says, I was driving my car, and it quit because it was low on oil, and, and I ran it out of oil. And he says, but I couldn't afford a, a tow truck, you know, the $50 for the tow truck to tow it back home, so I went ahead and drove it. He says, now it, it tore up the engine, I, I got to spend $4,000 to get an engine. Um, well, if he'd had the $50, he'd have saved all that money, you know, I mean, and he wasn't going to fix the car, it was just sitting in the yard with six other cars that were broken down. Um, you know, and just how many small things become big things because you can't afford, you know, if somebody could afford a plumber, then they could come in and fix the, the bathroom sink that's leaking instead of wrapping it in duct tape and keeping the door shut so I didn't have to think about it. Um, and so, you know, it ends up rotting out that cabinet and then it rottens the floor underneath it. And then next thing you know, you're going in there and having to tear out multiple floors and walls and, um, you know, just because you couldn't afford a little bit of money up front. And so, um, and like I mentioned about mobile homes, you know, you know, people buy a mobile home because it 
I need a place to live, and it's, it's cheaper. But you end up paying for that so much more in the long run with higher heating bills. And, uh, you know, if you buy a house 20 years down the road, it appreciates in value, but a trailer just continues to depreciate, and, and at 20 years down the road, it's probably not much left of it. So, um, it, you know, and we see these, these cycles kind of perpetuate, and it's, uh, it's heartbreaking, but, you know, we love to get in there where we can and help people get out of those situations. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, we can look at Jesus' example because, man, he spent so much time meeting people's physical needs, you know. He fed them, he healed them, you know, and he, he went from place to place and people flocked to him and he, he loved them where they were. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm reminded, too, of how, uh, you know, I think of the, the story of the ten lepers that came to him and, um, you know, he healed them all and yet they all left and only one of them came back to say thank you for doing that. And sometimes we run into that. Um, you know, I know last week part of the, our mission team that was here kind of got discouraged because um, one of the ladies we were doing some work for just seemed kind of more demanding than grateful. And so um, he, he kind of said that. And, and I was brought back to that story of the, of the lepers and thinking, you know what, we're not doing this for the gratitude of the people. Um, we're doing this to show them Christ's love. And um, if, if they're not grateful to us, that's okay. You know, we're, that's not why we're here. Um, but I think when, you know, when, when, when you go in there and you love people with your actions, they know it. You don't have to tell them that you're loving them. They know you're loving them. And, and that's where, um, you know, just going in there and saying, hey, we're just going to do this because we love you and because Jesus loves you. And uh, it, I think it really speaks volumes to them. You know, they don't deserve our help um, much any more than we deserve for Jesus to save us. And so it's a great representation of, um, of the gift of salvation that God has given us. We, uh, we, and, and we love to tell people that. You know, it's like, look, don't, don't really thank us. You know, it's, it's about God and, and he's blessed us. So we want to be a blessing to you. Um, and, uh, and we do, you know, like I mentioned briefly, that we encourage our homeowners to buy the materials. It, I think it's, it's, um, it kind of is debilitating and de- defeats their self-esteem and their, um, if, if we just give them everything. You know, it's, it's not a good, a good policy. You see it, the government doing it a lot, and... It's not good. So we, uh, so we like to get in there and offer the homeowners, give them the opportunity. You can either um, pay for your materials or you can have some family members come and help us do what we're doing. And, um, and it, it really works out much better. And it, it does. It gives them a sense of ownership of the project. And um, it's, it's, it's great. Um, volunteers, we need more. Um, we need you. Um, so we have... Uh, groups that come in from, from all over, so please, or, uh, I mean, so we, we need local people, we need the, the out-of-town people coming, there's, we've got probably 40 to 50 names on our waiting list of people that need help, there's plenty to do. Um, sometimes we just need people to go and talk, um, you don't even have to have any construction skills, we just need somebody that can go and, and talk to people and just encourage them and, and reiterate why we're there. Um, 
And uh, we, uh, we do, we want to keep kind of creating this bigger network of people of, uh, you know, how, you know, different churches in the area. There's some churches that, you know, are coming out once a month or something like that and just bringing um, a group to, to build a wheelchair ramp or, or work on a house. And, and I would love to see us get more of those involved. Um, and uh, <clears throat> not only do we need, you know, volunteers just for local projects, but also for our disaster relief stuff. Like I mentioned, we're, you know, always looking for, you know, people we can call because that's what really makes the ministry go is, is the people behind it. Um, so anyway, just, uh, you know, finishing up that it is, uh, again, that some of you will be called to rebuild the ancient ruins. Um, it's not for everybody. You know, it, um, we, uh, the, the people that do it, you know, really love it. And some people's like, you know what, that's not my thing. I'd, I'd rather be in the nursery with the kids and that's great because we need them too. Um, so, but those that, man, it's like, hey, that makes sense to me. I would like to go out and do something like that. Man, give me a call. You know, we've, I've got some brochures and some cards out there on the table. If you want to get my number, you know, give me a call. But, uh, we, uh, you know, our, our bottom line is we're, we're just trying to help people. We're trying to restore those streets, we're trying to store those homes, we're trying to store those lives of people that are um, impacted by storms and by the storms of life, you know, that we run into widows that say, yeah, you know, we were married 50 years and my husband took care of everything and he's been gone two years now and, and things are just kind of starting to fall apart. And um, so... It's, uh, it's just a great opportunity to get in there and, and love on those people, to share with them and, and give them um, some hope in Christ. And, uh, so anyway, let me, uh, let me just pray for us. And, um, just, uh, Lord, we uh, thank you for the opportunities you do give us to, to serve you and to be your hands and feet. And uh, just pray that you would motivate us all to, um, to seek those opportunities, whether it's um, with Rebuilding Hope, whether it's serving in the nursery, whether it's um, feeding at the clothing closets or soup kitchens or, or wherever, but there are so many needs and great opportunities, and I just pray that you would help us put our put feet to our faith and just be able to, uh, to serve you and, and uh, give you the glory for all that's done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jim. Can we, can we honor this man real quick? Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Uh, please stand. We're going to sing this song together. Um, I, it, it was low-hanging fruit to sing build my, uh, build my Life after Rebuilding Hope was here speaking, you know. Um, but I really do want us to respond in this attitude of sacrifice and surrender to the Lord. I was talking with a friend of mine this week, and um, he was talking about Jesus feeding the 5,000. He said, you know, one of, the, one of the most overlooked parts of that story was that the kid offered his fish and offered his bread to Jesus. And that, like, kick-started this thing that Jesus did. Of course, we focus on and we should focus on the miracle that Jesus took the fish and took the bread and, and provided. But if you're coming this morning and maybe you're fish is a little rotten or your bread is a little moldy, Jesus can still do something with it. And so 
I encourage you now, if the Lord is prompting, even now during this song, come and talk to Jim. Tell him if you want to be involved. Tell him if you're interested. Tell him if the Lord is, is tugging on your heart right now. So let's sing this together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing And worthy of all the praise we could ever bring You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Yes, we do, Jesus Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one you could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you, so holy. You are holy. There is no like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me oh yes you song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring you're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you yes we do Jesus Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one you could ever say. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. And we live for you. Oh, we live for you. We're singing, oh.
Jesus, we commit ourselves to you now. And the mission that you set before us, Lord, to go into the, all the world, proclaiming the gospel to all of creation. Father, I pray that you would ignite in us a heart for the poor, for those who need us, for those who need you. We feel what you feel for them, Lord. Mm. We feel what you feel for them. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. Amen. You may be dismissed.